Merry Christmas, y'all. Isn't it looking great? Yeah. Let's say thank you to all those Seagrist with the trays, whole team put together, everything all around the church. So thank you. Uh, one more thing I would draw your attention to. Did you notice? Uh, the cross can be seen now. It was lowered so that, yeah. And uh, we have new lights. Uh, thank you for your generosity. That doesn't come for free. But Jeff Shields, Aaron, and Lucas Theodore made that happen. So thank you to them as well. Yeah. That's... Uh, that was a whole lot of time and effort. Uh, before we get into the sermon, we've received word that uh, our sister church in Derryville, Haiti, and the organization that makes our relationship possible, RMI, uh, they're not doing well right now. Uh, there is a civil war, a gang war, it's just total chaos going on in Haiti these days. As a result, our sister church and uh, their parent organization, RMI, is struggling and in desperate need of support. We're going to have some details uh, next week for how exactly we can best help them, but I just want to give you a heads up. We're going to be asking starting next week. Uh, we we definitely want to help our sister church in Derryville. This is uh, our first Sunday in uh, our Christmas season. We're talking today about the signs of Christmas. The signs of Christmas, okay? Lots of different signs. Uh, Caleb, let's put up the uh, traffic signs, yeah? Uh, you're, you're familiar with those. If you don't know those, Todd, you can't get a driver's license. They, they make you know those traffic signs. Uh, then there are warning signs. Uh, put that up there. Yep, you don't do this, don't do that, don't hurt yourself here. And uh, we're used to signs all around us. Signs are telling us, be careful, be on watch, something important is going on. And that's what we're going to talk today about, the signs that point to the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the promised King of the universe. Today, we're going to look at the sign of a star, the sign of a star that was foretold thousands of years before Jesus was born in a Bethlehem barge. Locate with me, if you would, in your Bibles. On your phone, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. Okay, where wise men from the east arrive in Jerusalem and they're looking for the newborn king of the Jews. Why? Because they've been following the sign of a star. If you're able, would you stand with me? We're going to read out loud together. Verses 1 to 10, Matthew chapter 2. This is God's word. Read with me. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? 
We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law, and he asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come, don't have it memorized, going to need to go back, back, back. Okay, uh, are we there? Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. And this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Let's pray. Lord, uh, fill us with joy today. Fill us with uh, your spirit, we're asking. Lord, as we talk about uh, the time when you sent your one and only son to earth to be born, to take on human form, Lord, help us to celebrate you well. You deserve all we've got. We invite your spirit to come today. We welcome you into your church because this is your church and we're your children. So you come and rule and use your book, your inspired words to speak to our hearts and lives. We just pause now. We invite you to do a work today. It's been a busy week. Lord, I suspect some of us, we've, uh, we've tripped, some of us have fallen, some of us have actually even chosen to jump into what your book calls sin. So we're inviting you right now, point, those, point those, that sin out, and Lord, we don't want to lay there any longer in the mud and the manure of sin, Lord. We're all ready to do the U-turn. So we run to the cross. And Lord, it was at the cross that you marked our accounts paid in full when we said yes and invited your Son in as Savior and Lord. So we're drawing on that account. We're writing the check of confession. We're calling what you've made clear sin. We're going to call it sin too. And we ask that you might wash and cleanse and purify us. We worship in your word right now. We want to be clean and pure and ready to do business with you. We love you, Lord. And all the church family gathered at Walloon said with great joy. And be seated. By the way, I don't think we mentioned this yet, but second service early in the service, like song, meet and greet. We've got baptism today. There's either five or six people getting baptized. So if you're here, if you've if you got the time, stick around and uh, early in the service you can celebrate with those who are going to be baptized.
baptized. Back to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Um, it says, Magi uh, came from the east. What are Magi? They, they are wise men. The name given by the Babylonians, the Medes, the Persians to describe a class of teachers, priests, philosophers, astronomers, and they actually became advisors to kings. That's what the wise men were. They were men of science, studied nature and stars, and now wise men from the east have discerned there's a sign pointing to the coming king. There's a king coming. How would they have known that? Back in Daniel chapter 5 and verse 11, Daniel was appointed the king or the head of the wise men advising the kings. Daniel 5.11. So Daniel, who, who was in Babylon, served as the chief wise man for King Nebuchadnezzar and later for King Belshazzar. Okay? When Babylon controlled the ancient world, Daniel was the chief wise man. So it seems Daniel passed on word, be looking, be looking for a sign because there's coming a king and you need to be ready. So now Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. Matthew primarily is writing to Jews, the gospel to Jewish Christians. And now if you look at Matthew chapter 1, look back with me, that's the Jewish genealogy of the royal lineage of Jesus. Okay, And now Matthew 2, he gives us the story of the magi, the wise men, the king makers who recognize the true king of the Jews. So these Gentile king makers from the east roll up to Jerusalem. Why? They've been following the sign of a star and they march in to Jerusalem to visit King Herod. Got the picture? Okay. Herod was the political king of the Jews. He was appointed king of the Jews by the Roman Senate and the Roman Emperor. So he was literally at this time the king of the Jews. So now you have these kingmakers coming to the Gentile ruler over the Jews, Herod, and now they ask kind of a little bit embarrassing question. Look at verse 2. Here, here's, here's the question. This question must have stung. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? Where's the king of the Jews? We've watched his star as it rose. We've come to worship him. And note, this question, look at verse 3, deeply disturbed Herod. It says, and Herod was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem was disturbed with Herod. You know anybody like that? If they get disturbed, everybody around them is disturbed. That's Herod. When Herod was disturbed, everybody is disturbed. Uh, why? Why is everyone disturbed? Why is Herod all worked up? And the answer is because in Herod's mind, 
He was the king of the Jews. You come in here and you ask where the king of the Jews is and you're talking to me, the king of the Jews. I'm the king of the Jews. He'd been already appointed by the officials in Rome and now you ask me such a question? I just want to pause, tell you a little bit about Herod. Herod got suspicious of his mother, Alexandria. So guess what Herod did? He had her executed. Uh, Then he got a little suspicious of his wife, Miriam. So then he murders his wife, Miriam. And now he's had two sons with Miriam, who he just executed. And now he's thinking... My boys, they might take revenge on me for murdering their mother. So what do you suppose he does with the two sons? Has them executed as well. He feared revenge. Um, Herod was insanely jealous. Herod Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us he was power hungry. He was psychotically suspicious that somebody might assassinate him. He was pretty sure somebody wanted his throne and he was going to do everything in his power to make sure nobody took his throne. Herod had worked too hard, spilled too much blood to let some little Jewish baby threaten his kingdom. That's what he said. That's why he was disturbed. Go back to the text. Verse 4, so Herod calls the Jewish scholars, the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, the Jewish smart guys. Verse 4, hey, smart guys, where is the Jewish king, Messiah, supposed to be born? You guys know it all, so tell me, where is this king supposed to be born Verses 5 and 6, answer, that's an easy one, Herod. Uh, Micah 5, 2 tells us the Jewish Messiah is to come from Bethlehem. And you need to know this, Bethlehem was like five, six miles just up the road. Just, Just up the road. So Herod calls the wise men back in for a private meeting, and he says, verse 7, look at it, When exactly did you first see this star? I tell you what, guys. Why don't you just go on ahead, keep following the sign of a star, you keep searching, and when you find this Jewish king, you come back and tell me exactly where you found him. Okay? So you just go on ahead, you go to Bethlehem, find the king, find out exactly the address, and then you come back and tell me exactly where he is and who's around him so that I can go and worship him too. Liar. Liar. Pants on fire, okay? How do we know? How do we know Herod is lying here? How do we know Herod has no intention of worshiping the newborn king of the Jews in Bethlehem. Slide down with me. Verse 12, the wise men are warmed by God in a dream. 
hey, don't go back to Herod. He's up to no good. Uh, So they return home by another route. So they don't go back through Jerusalem. Keep going with me. Verses 13 and 14, Mary and Joseph are warned in a dream, get out of town, leave now. Herod is going to try to murder your newborn son. Herod is going to try to kill the newborn king of the Jews. Get up and get out of town quickly. Verses 16 and 17. Here's how we really know that he was a liar. Sure enough, Herod is not interested in worshiping King Jesus. He has no intention of going and worshiping King Jesus. He's furious. The wise men didn't return with details. So Herod sends soldiers to Bethlehem and orders all the little boys, age two and under, age two and under, to be slaughtered, to be murdered. Okay? Why, oh why, would King Herod murder little boys? Why would Herod send soldiers to execute innocent little boys living in Bethlehem? And here's the answer. Nobody was going to mess with Herod's title. Nobody was going to mess with Herod's throne. He'd spent his entire life guarding and accumulating power and prestige. Nobody was going to mess with his throne. Nobody was going to be king of the Jews in Herod's mind, except for Herod. So, here's my question this morning. What's our response going to be to the sign of the star? What's our response? How will you respond to the king of the Jews being born? And here's here's the truth. Give me your eyes. All of us will respond in some way. Even if it's just a shrug of the shoulders, that's a response. All of us will respond in some way to the king of the Jews being born. Okay? We all have a heart. And here's my question. What will your heart temperature be towards Jesus. We're going to see three distinct responses. We're going to see three ways that we can respond to Jesus being born. Jesus being King of the Jews. Jesus being more than just King of the Jews. Jesus being King of the universe. And the first way we can respond, we're going to respond three ways. We'll put Three cheers up there on the slide. Okay. First way we can respond is like King Herod. And, and I would argue that Herod's response was cold-hearted hatred of Jesus. Herod, Herod's response was, I know the right words. I, I know how to pretend. And he had lying words that really betrayed Uh, his actual actions, okay? He had lying lips, but the truth is he had no intention of ever going 
in worshiping the king of the Jews. Cold-hearted attack is how Herod responded. Um, The Jewish historian Josephus records this. To me, this explains where Herod is at. uh, Josephus tells us Herod knew everybody hated him. He he killed everybody. Anybody who looked cross-eyed at Herod, he'd execute. Okay? So he knew that when he died, everybody would cheer. <laughs> there would be applause, standing ovations all around Jerusalem. Why? Herod's dead, finally. So when Herod was on his deathbed, this is a true story, five days before he would die, he had rounded up hundreds of the most loved and respected Uh, people in all of Jerusalem. And he had them arrested. Tracking with me? So he has them thrown into jail. And now, five days before he's dying, they're all arrested. And here's his order. The moment you hear, I'm dead, I want you to execute all of those hundreds that are arrested. Because I want proper mourning. I want tears. I want everybody to be crying. I want proper sorrow because their king is gone. I don't want anybody happy. I want them all crying and mourning and in great tears. That's Herod. Cold-hearted Herod. Nice guy, huh? Uh, He hated Jesus. And can I tell you, there are still people today 2023, who hate Jesus. It's possible to be more than just, huh? It's very possible to actually actively hate Jesus and his word and his kingdom and his church. Did did you know there are people who hate us for loving Jesus? There really are. The uh, second response to Jesus, we see uh, uh, with the teachers of the law and the wise, uh, smart religious priests and leaders, um, they were in charge of the temple. The teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the chief priests, they were involved with who could buy and sell in the temple area, who could sell animals, who could exchange Uh, Roman coin for shekels, okay? Um, Many of these men, uh, just understand this, literally had memorized the entire Old Testament. They were impressive. They were brilliant academically. Many of them had devoted their lives to Genesis, to Malachi. They loved God's word with all of their lives. They, they, they loved the detail, okay? But here's the sad part. Listen, when God sent his one and only son to be born and live a sinless life and then die on a, on a Roman cross, these same men rejected Jesus and sent Jesus to Pilate to be executed. Go back to the text with me. Look at verses 4 and 5, okay? these religious leaders who had perfect knowledge of the Old Testament, okay, 
Remember the question? Hey, smart guys, where is the Jewish Messiah supposed to be born? Boom. Bethlehem. We, we know that's an easy one, Herod. Ask us a hard one. So think with me. For hundreds and hundreds of years, the Jews have been pleading for, when is the Messiah coming? When will the King of the Jews be coming? They had been looking for this for hundreds of years. And now word is, he's arrived in Bethlehem. From here to Boyne City is, is where Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Okay? From here to Boyne City. And now they're sitting here in Jerusalem. And they won't even get off their royal academic thrones to go find out if Jesus, the Messiah, the promised king has really come. They, they, won't even, they won't even get up and go check it out and see if he's actually come. Well, why not? I'm sure they were busy guys. You know, they had sacrifices to make. They, they had meetings to attend. They had Bible studies to teach. They were too busy with life to go wander five miles down the road and find out if the promised king of the universe had actually arrived and been born. I would, I would argue these people are nice, moral, do-gooding, indifferent people. They, they were lukewarm in their response to Jesus being born. They, they ignored Jesus. It, it, they weren't hating Jesus. They didn't want to go kill him. But they really just kind of shrugged their soldier, shoulders and said, eh, I, I just don't have time. Just don't have time. And, and can I just say very clearly, there's still lots of those folks today. There might even be some of us here today. We're in church, but you know, you know, I won't get too worked up about this Jesus stuff. Just fairly lukewarm and tepid and apathetic in our response to Jesus being the King and the Lord and the Master. Got one more chair here. We'll, uh, we'll move to the final chair. Um, and this chair represents the wise men. This chair represents those who came from a long distance and risked their lives to come and follow the sign to King Jesus. Somebody asked, uh, were there three wise men? It's in the song. We three kings. Uh, here's the truth. Uh, most scholars, uh, smart guys say, the three represents the gifts. We'll talk about that next Sunday. But likely they had a small army with them. Because if you're going to travel through lots of different bandits and uh, countries with armies uh, and not get robbed and not get murdered and slaughtered, you're probably going to need a small army and lots of bribes and lots of gifts to get by. They traveled hundreds of miles at great expense. You're going to bring a small army, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Risk their lives. Lots of reasons why they could have stayed home. You understand? There's lots of reasons. They, they could come up with lots of excuses 
but they overcame their excuses to follow the star. They're, they're like, whatever it takes, we're going to overcome that excuse. And I love what verse 10, look at verse 10, what it says. It's, it's actually a Greek word that has four consecutive superlatives. Literally, um, great joy says they were overjoyed, exceedingly great joy. In the Greek, it literally means mega joy. They were filled with mega joy when they finally found their king. Finally found their king. And note, it took a while to get there because it says they're now in a barn. Or where do they meet him? Verse 10. They find Jesus at his house. So now they've rented a house outside of Bethlehem and now they've found their king. Now they're ready to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can, can I just say real, real strong here? This, this is the chair. This is the heart temperature that Jesus wants for everybody here today. His desire is that we all sit in, in this chair. Now here's the problem. You finally get in this chair, Myron, and you're doing pretty good, but then life gets busy and schedules come and trouble comes your way, and slowly, almost imperceptibly, you know what happens. Jose, we quickly get lukewarm. We do. And I've discovered you have to fight to stay in this chair. you got to make this your passion. Henry, whatever it takes, I'm every day going to fight to stay hot in my love and devotion for Jesus. And can I say one more thing? If, if you allow your life to cool off and you're over here uh, for a long time, Guess where children and grandchildren go when mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, long term, are in this chair. Guess what chair they wind up in. We, we, we are lukewarm, we're uh, apathetic, shrug our shoulders. Yeah, you know, I like Jesus. I just, just don't want to get carried away. Hang lukewarm for a long time. Here's what I promise. You're raising cold-hearted children and grandchildren. That, that's what will happen. You, you're lukewarm, that's where they're going to follow. I, I promise you, Satan wants to do everything he can to keep us out of this chair. You've got an enemy. We are at war. He hates us. He hates Jesus. The most... Uh, uh, hard thing that we can offer against Satan and his demons is to stay hot in our love and our devotion for King Jesus. I'm telling you, this is where Jesus has called us to live. This is where fruit hangs on, on, on our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
So that only happens as we're connected and abiding daily with Jesus. Uh, this is the chair that we fight for. So here's my, my question as we close. Honestly, what chair are you in here today? I, I suspect we don't have many in Herod's chair. I suspect the fact that you're here today, there's probably nobody who actively hates Jesus. But I'm telling you, if we allow our lives to cool off long enough, if bitterness and anger builds, that does have the basics to create a cold heart. But normally, most of us here today are probably either in the hot, I love Jesus, he's my everything, And it's not just with my lips every day. I'm all about living strong for Jesus. Or we've allowed the busyness of life to crowd out our passion for Jesus. Yeah, I I, I love Jesus. I just don't have much time to read his book. I I just don't have much time for the church that that is his bride. I I just don't have time to, to... to make sure sin has been taken care of. I just don't have the time to live strong for Jesus. And slowly we get comfortable with being lukewarm. And do you remember in Revelation chapter 3? What did Jesus say about lukewarm followers of his? Do you remember Luke? Revelation chapter 3, Jesus said, those of you who are lukewarm you make me want to throw up. Pardon my English, my French. <laughs> you make me want to Ralph. You make me want to spit you out of my mouth because I hate lukewarm, apathetic, and indifferent in your love and your devotion to me. So where are you at today? Cold? Lukewarm? Are you red hot in your love for Jesus? Bow your heads. Shut your eyes, and I'd just like you just quietly, would you be willing to ask the Lord, where where am I at, Lord? I I really want to know. Speak. I'm listening. I believe Jesus is knocking this morning on all of our hearts' door. And I think he's asking to come and bring the temperature of your love for him to a boil. And if it's clear today that you're either lukewarm or cold, if you're hearing him knocking and you agree, it's time to move to the first chair. It's time to move with your daily habits 
It's time to move with your daily devotion. It's time to move with all of your being to the first chair. And if you're serious, here's my challenge. Would you say, Lord, I've heard you. It's clear. It's obvious. I've been far too lukewarm for too long. And I'm serious right now about moving to that first chair and I'm ready to do whatever it takes. Would you just lift your hand and say, Lord, see my hand. That's me. Anybody? Yep. Are there others of you? See my hand, Lord. I'm ready to go to that first chair, whatever it takes. Anybody in the balcony? See my hand, Lord. I'm going. Yep. Are there others? Yep. Is he knocking? And I'm I'm grateful that you're thinking this through. That's a big commitment. Lord, whatever it takes, I'm going to move to the first chair. Anyone else? I'll pray for you as we close. Yep. Anybody else? I'm ready to respond. Lord, you're knocking loud. Far too much lukewarmness going on. I'm ready to move. Anybody else? Just give you another moment. We'll pray for you. Yep. Thank you, Lord, for speaking clearly and loudly to several of my friends right now. You've spoken to my heart all week long. Lord, would you start revival in each of our lives, especially those who just lifted their hand? They've heard from you. Start today doing a powerful work. Heat up their love, their devotion, their passion, their obedience to you and your word. Would you give them courage to deal with sin quickly and decisively? Lord, would you help them to throw off any weights that are slowing them down in their devotion for you? Lord, if there's any pet sin that needs killed, would you give them the energy and and the ability to kill that pet sin dead in its tracks? Foster in us, foster in them, Lord, a love and devotion to your Son, Jesus. Lord, give us a love for your word. Lord, would you give us a thirst and a passion to every day be filled with your spirit and allow you to control us. Is it possible that maybe the reason you see lukewarm or cold in your life right now, is it possible that's because you don't know Jesus personally? Could it be that you've never invited Jesus into your life? You've never asked Him to be your Savior and Lord? You've never made way and opened the door and said, come on in. Revelation 3.20, here's what it says. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I'll come in. Will you right now open the door of your life? Will you receive Jesus? That involves 
turning to God, doing the U-turn. I've lived without you, and now I'm turning to you, Jesus. I'm opening the door. I'm trusting you, Jesus, to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me one of your children. Jesus, I believe that you are the King of the Jews, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You're the Savior of my soul. I receive you. I open the door. Come in and be Savior, Lord, and King. If you make that decision today, you're watching online, would you hit that prayer button? We'd love to have a personal discussion with you, talk, a chat. If you're here live, make your way to the prayer corner. See me at the center door. I'd love to rejoice with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done for us. And thank you that you sent signs that you were coming. And thank you for the sign of the star. Help us to respond appropriately. It's in Jesus' awesome name we pray.